The information provided in this show is intended for your general knowledge only and is not intended to be, nor is it, medical advice or a substitute for medical advice. If you have or suspect you have a specific medical condition or disease, please consult your health care provider. You are now listening to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs> What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here, founder of ChemicalFreeBody.com and your host for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode of the Health Hero Show. Today in the house, I've got Dr. Stanislaw Brzezinski. Um, it's actually a, uh, one of my heroes and pioneers in uh, cancer research and actually developing um, different cancer protocols on his own that actually worked. Uh, which is undeniable. And I was actually, uh, when I first got started in my journey in the health industry, um, his movie, there's a movie that came up called Brzezinski, Brzezinski the movie. And so I want you guys to definitely check out that movie. The whole idea to have him here is to lead you to the movie so that you can get a deeper understanding of what he's doing. We'll give you a, a nice overview today, hopefully a good deep understanding as well. But to watch that movie because, you know, you can share the podcast um, and you can also share the movie and get the information out to more and more people. And um, I actually watched uh, the movie again as kind of a recap uh, before this interview. Uh, and um, it still just blows my mind that what was being said back in the 80s and still most people don't even know about it. Right. So there's millions and millions of people out there that are suffering. And as we've seen, cancer rates keep you know going up and up and up. Um, we're looking at. Um, you know, medical costs uh, skyrocketing, and we're looking at life expectancy now in the United States plummeting. So today what's happening is you are actually, your children and grandchildren are going to die younger than you. That's what politicians, the policies they've written, the medical establishment, um, I would even say media at the point now, celebrities has handed you. So they all get an F. And um, it's just it's really simple. We spend more in this country on 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 medical um, uh, d intervention than any other com country. And yet we're, we're getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And now our life expectancy is dropping. And it's been typically it's been since 1984. It's been kind of sidelining. But about 2014, it's been going down and now plummeting as of recently. So, Dr. Brzezinski, welcome to the show. It is my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you're uh, helping lots of people um, down in the state of Texas. So um, I got some friends down in Texas. Actually, our formulator, Dr. Scott Treadway, is down in Austin that formulates our, our detox and nutrition products. So it's really cool to be chatting with you today. So what I'd like to go do is go back to the very beginning and just give people a little bit of research. Um, you are from Poland. Uh, you've been researching cancer for over 40 years, four decades. Um, and you also have a PhD in biochemistry, but maybe you can just walk us back to that young man and why you left Poland and came to the United States. Well, I practically looked to the United States uh, for freedom because uh, I lived in the worst political system in the world, which is communist system. You can't even imagine how bad is this. There's no freedom at all. And uh, the lies are the norm. There is no truth. Uh, I did not like the system at all. My family has a long history of fighting the communism. And uh, obviously, 
uh, when I graduated, I found that I don't have any future in the communist country. Simply, they wanted me to be in the military, to be a military doctor, despite the fact that I had a great accomplishment in the science already. Basically, they wanted to send me to North Vietnam to help Viet Cong. And <laughs> I didn't mind to travel, but I didn't want to support the communism. I hated this. And I felt that the only way to do is to get out of the country. And that's what I did. So that's how I came to the United States in 1970. And I was able to develop my work further. And where did, where did you land when you came to the United States? Well, I landed exactly on uh, uh, the Labor Day in JFK in New York. And uh, the communist government permitted me to take just $5 of all of my possessions. So I started basically from near zero level in the United States, but I enjoyed it. So you got here, then you, you landed it, you were kind of, it was the Bronx, right? That's where you started off? <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes. But it was helpful because ultimately I started from almost zero and I was able to accomplish quite a few things. Now, where did you, did you work with any, um, where, where did you go? Did you work with any institutions when you got here? How did that get started? Well, uh, when I arrived to US, I already had a number of uh, articles published in international journals. Um, uh, some of the researchers in the field, they knew about me. I contacted them and they offered me a job. And uh, I got uh, the position at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston. And that's how I ended in Houston. So since then, I was in Houston. And for seven years, I was at Baylor College. And then I developed my own approach and uh, developed my own clinic and uh, pharmaceutical uh, plant. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So now you're in Texas. Um, and why don't you walk us through kind of how you discovered anti-neoplastines in the very beginning? What, and then, then you can explain what they are. Well, uh, initially I was working on, uh, amino acids in blood of patients who had various illnesses and by doing this i encountered some patients who had terminal cancer and i found that they have deficiency of some chemicals which look like amino acids but they were not amino acids these chemicals were peptides so i found something like 119 new peptide fraction in blood which were never described by anybody and I decided to investigate them further. I found connection between patients having terminal cancer and deficiency of these chemicals in blood. So then, and so when you mean these chemicals, you're talking about these these peptides, which are short chain amino correct, acids. Correct, correct. Right. Yes. Okay. So that's so what I found. <clears throat> so then, I didn't know at that time if they have any activities against cancer. Simply, I didn't have a chance to do it uh, in Poland because my resources for research were very limited. But when I came to US, I was able to advance and uh, I developed a project together with people from Andy Anderson and uh, I became principal investigator at the project by the National Cancer Institute. 
So I was able to move forward. And uh, our uh, colleagues from MD Anderson Institute found that many of these peptides had anti-cancer activity. And what is even more important is that they did not have any harmful effect on normal cells. So this is something which everybody was looking for, chemicals which can kill cancer, but <laughs> which will not damage normal cells. So finally, I was able to collect them further and do a lot of testing in the laboratory and testing the animals. And in 1976, I came up with the theory of antineoplastins. I named these uh, peptides which had cancer, anti-cancer activity, antineoplastins. And this peptide's uh, deficiency was at the root of cancer. Simply, our body had another line of defense, which consists of antineoplastins. And if this line of defense is compromised, they develop cancers. Logically, if we supply them with these antineoplastins, we can expect good results in treatment of cancer. And that's what was proven by initial clinical trials, which were done in 1977. And uh, in the group of patients who were terminal cancer patients, we got some marked responses in good percentage of patients. So this really uh, informed me that this is something valuable and we should proceed with this. Okay, so just to be clear, Anti-neoplastines are peptides, which are short-chain amino acids. Yes, that's what they are, yes. Correct. And so what you did was you were studying people's blood, and some of those people's blood that you studied had, you know, had late-stage cancer, and yeah. you noticed the people with late-stage cancer had a complete deficiency or lack of these short-chain amino acids, a.k.a. peptides or anti-neoplastines. And the yeah. people that didn't have cancer had an abundance of these short-chain yeah, amino acids, right. these peptides or antineoplastins. Mm -hmm. Okay. So with that theory, you decided to make antineoplastins or find them and then put them into the patients that were lacking them that had cancer. Is that correct? Uh, this is correct. Uh, of course, uh, initially found them in blood and it was very difficult to... <laughs> obtain them from blood because obviously this is uh, precious material right. so ultimately we found what is the structure of these antineoplastins and obtained them synthetically so since then we are using synthetic analogs of antineoplastins now did you originally didn't you weren't you originally using horse blood to get the, the neoplasty uh, no no we no. are just using human blood and then later on, we found that uh, the antineoplastins are specific for different uh, type of uh, living creatures. So this mm. means that animals have different type of antineoplastins than human. So we are using human blood, but certainly it was not easy. So finally, we became using synthetic derivatives. Okay. So now you actually have something that you can... Um, you know, manufacture over and over again in larger quantities to help more people rather than going through a very expensive slow route, which is actually using human blood. Absolutely. And this is something which normally is required by the FDA. They don't like using products of natural resources. They prefer to use products which are synthetic analogs. And that's what we had. 
Okay. Did you notice any difference between the efficacy from using the antineoplastines from human blood versus synthetic? Was there any drop in efficacy by doing that? Well, we did. And obviously, we barely scratched the surface. We identified only some of these antineoplastins and the other one are not yet uh, characterized as far as chemistry is concerned. So they're still there and they can be further studied if you have resources, but it's very expensive and I didn't have such resources to do it. Right, right. Awesome. Okay. So as you guys can understand here, like this is like a monumental discovery, right? This is, this is, this is like a big thing. And, um, I went back and, you know, watching your movie again kind of brought me back to like when I was a child because, you know, you were on like NBC, you're on the Sally Jesse Raphael show, right? So I remember my mom and dad watching that as a kid when she'd come on and do her stuff. And, and like, basically you had patients there saying how, how well it had worked. They had cancer. They, they had used your therapies and then now they don't have cancer. Their tumors were shrinking. Um, there was doctors coming on shows. Uh, see, I think there was another one. Um, it was Dr. Uh, I don't, I don't have the guy's name. I didn't write it down, but it was another, I think it was a, a CBS, like a morning show or something that his doctor came on and talked and, and was standing up for you and basically saying the only reason the FDA was, uh, well, the, the state board of Texas, uh, medical examiners was coming after you and the FDA was because, um, you know, it was, it was about money. It was about the hospital systems and the way they do business and, having some outsider come in with something that would actually work um, kind of undermined the financial stability of those organizations. Is, is that correct? Well, it's, I was uh, really uh, attacked by numerous uh, state and federal agencies. And for me, uh, these are the servants of the big industry, which mm -hmm. really did not want me to succeed because they were afraid of competition. And uh, this lasted for something like 35 years. And uh, finally, <laughs> we don't have these problems, I hope, for good. Yeah. For the last eight years, we didn't have any problems of this type. Which is really good. So let's do this. We're going to take a quick break. We get back. I actually want to get into some of what he actually had to go through so you guys can understand the struggles and the amount of court appearances and grand jury hearings that he actually had to do. He actually got indicted at one point um, and uh, was able to weather the storm and still be here today. Um, we have a, uh, Dr. Brzezinski is a man on a mission and we will be right back. Turmeric has been used for thousands of years all across India and Southeast Asia and is one of the best anti-inflammatory compounds on earth. Now you can get these incredible benefits with the new chemical-free body Turmeric 100 liquid drops. This ethically sourced breakthrough solution helps against inflammation and pain. Turmeric 100 is made with the same chemical-free body promise. No stimulants, 100% organic, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back. Uh, my guest today, Dr. Stanislaw Brzezinski. Um, don't forget to check out Brzezinski the movie. Um, we'll point you, we'll have uh, links down below in the description so you guys can click it. I, I definitely want you guys to get the movie and um, and share it and, and just buy, you know, actually buy the movie. You can buy it, rent it for five bucks. You might as well buy it for $10, help them fund their cause and help fund the, the director who helped put it together because um, it is a work of art. And it's something that's very important to strengthening the fabric and the thread of the working class people, not just in the United States, 
but around the world, the, the good, hardworking, decent people that are just out there trying to live their lives um, and uh, spend time with their families and grow and, and do the things they need to do. Okay, so let's just go back. Um, I'm sure you probably don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> you want to move on, but just for the audience, you know, I want them to kind of understand like what you went through. So it looks like in, um, uh, it was, a, when did, when did the, uh, harassment start? Was it in, uh, when was it, when did the Texas uh, medical board start coming after you? What, what year was that? <laughs> well, initially it started at the county level. Uh, it was harassed in 1977 by the local Harris County medical society. They investigated me. And finally, they dropped the investigation after they were exposed by news media. So then, obviously, we advanced further and uh, they sent this issue to Texas Medical Board, which uh, harassed me for something like over 35 years based on ridiculous little things, which were proven not valid, like some <laughs> the problems with. Uh, type of uh, medical records, whatever, which were proved that they were not valid at all. Okay. But anyway, they wanted to put me out of business. So that's they wanted to do for many, many years. Finally, they did not succeed and they were put out of business by Texas, <laughs> Texas government because there was finally no money for them. So they were out of business for a few months after we fin they finished my investigation. So now we live in peace and hopefully this is going to be like that. So this was harassment at the state level, but obviously there was also harassment at the federal level. We have to understand that before I started producing antineoplasma and treating patients, I asked a very good legal firm to check if I can do it in the state of Texas. This was in 1976. And they told me that, yes, I can do it because the doctor can use the medication which he prepares for his own patient. So this means that uh, Texas Medical Board did not have anything to do with this because I had the right to do it, okay? And on the other hand, FDA did not have jurisdiction because I was doing this within the state of Texas. But of course, <laughs> they decided to attack me and it went for many, many years regarding FDA. Uh, they called me for five grand juries, and uh, on the fifth, they indicted me based on the fact that patients who were using medications for the treatment were coming back home to different states and taking medication with them. So the fact that they were taking medication for their own treatment was viewed by FDA as interstate commerce. And uh, certainly they wanted me to somehow keep patients forever in the state of Texas if they would like to continue the treatment. So obviously this was ridiculous. And finally, everything was dismissed. Yeah, and I what was kind of interesting is I, I remember that, you know, you went all the way to the Supreme, they took you all the way to the Supreme Court with this stuff. And then you found out that the state medical board was actually being pressured by the FDA. And again, then there, I actually have a quote, but there was a Dr. Richard Kraut. You're probably very familiar with this yes. guy. And uh, this was the FDA at the time, the FDA Bureau of Drugs Director um, back in 1982. And this guy said, um, I never have and never will approve a new drug to an individual 
but only to a large pharmaceutical firm with unlimited finances. So you got a person who's like the Bureau of Drugs director basically saying, I don't care who you are unless you're a great big, huge pharmaceutical company that's established. It uh, doesn't matter how good your stuff is. I'm not going to approve it. And here you are, the new kid on the block. Um, not necessarily probably what you thought you'd be doing, but with that discovery, you had to start making manufacturing it yourself. So not only are you seeing patients and treating patients, but you're actually making, you basically started up your own pharmaceutical company, basically in Texas of sorts, uh, right. to, originally to make the anti-neoplastins and you just did it yourself. Just like a lot of entrepreneurial people do you, or as a doctor, you saw the problem and you, and you found a, something that was working for many people, not all, but many. And, and you wanted to move forward with that to help people because that's the oath you took, you know, as a doctor, you're supposed, that's, that's the whole purpose is to help people, help people solve their problems so they can live a, a long, healthy, happy life. All right. So, so after that, um, I just wanted to give you guys an idea of like, you, you have to watch the freaking movie, right? Because the movie will go step by step through all the stuff that he had to go through, uh, the, through all the court cases and stuff like that ongoing. And keep in mind, he's still trying to run a practice. He's trying to help patients on the daily and continue uh, and, and, and run a pharmaceutical lab making these anti-neoplastines and at the same time, constant research and development. So this is a very busy person. There's a lot going on here. And, and since then, um, there's been quite a few uh, breakthroughs, which we'll talk about in a moment. But I got to tell you, during the movie, all the way through the court cases, Dr. Brzezinski's patients kept showing up in droves they because they would uh, come to these court hearings and bring their children with them and be saying, look, I got my four-year-old here, had a tumor, went on Brzezinski's treatment, the tumor's gone, and do not take this away from me. Like, And then the, 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 woman, the mother's sitting there crying and on and on. The, the, the testimonies are, are they're just tr tremendous amounts of them. And it's, it's a very touching, heartwarming thing because it's just real stuff. And the bottom line was, is these working class people want the government and the FDA to get the hell out of their relationship with their doctor that they choose to deal with, with their personal body. And I think that's, uh, um, it was a testament to have all those, those people there supporting you. Okay. Definitely. We had a lot of support from the people. They marched on the white house. They were in front of the courthouse every day in Houston. Without them, I would lose for sure, because obviously you have to understand that uh, the judges are employees of the government and I was sued by the government. <laughs> what was ridiculous is that such ridiculous accusation is against me that patients taking uh, medication for their own treatment to a different state were violating FDA's law of interstate commerce. They were not selling the medication, they were using them to save their life. And I was not shipping medication to other states. So this is something which good judge should be dismissed on the spot. And you can expect yeah. that federal judges are very intelligent people. They should know what it's about. But first thing they did, they removed from the proceedings in the court Anything which could say, which could prove that the treatment is working, that the treatment is helping patients. Uh, there was a gag order on this, okay? Nobody could tell that the treatment is helping the life of patients. So where is the protection of human life in the United States? If the federal court does not care about the life of hundreds of patients, 
with terminal cancer whose life depends on my treatment, okay? If the people would not protest in front of the, uh, the courthouse, I would certainly lose, but I won. And FDA lost tremendous amount of money, and the guys who are running the FDA, they were no longer there. However, they got very good salaries in good pharmaceutical companies because such guys are needed for big pharma to help them with what they do. Well, and this is another perfect point that everything good that's ever pretty much happened for the working class people of this country and around the world is also, it's always a bottoms up movement. So Dr. Stanislaw is a guy who came bottoms up from Poland. He got, came here with five bucks, basically, uh, landed in the Bronx. Um, I landed in the Bronx, which is one of the worst <laughs> places to be there. Okay. But it yeah. was good anyway. Yeah, five dollars in the Bronx, and and has built uh, a career helping people. And now has a pharmaceutical company producing something that actually works and helps people, and 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 non toxic. That's the whole thing. It's like you know most of pharmaceutical drugs, ninety percent of them have side effects, and some of those side effects are extremely painful. Uh, could be death. And the stuff that you're making is you're basically making synthetic derivatives of short chain amino acids, right? Yeah, And they're completely non-toxic. So it's not a matter of, um, and the interesting thing in the court case, and I'll forget about this, was after a while, they stopped trying to come after you for efficacy of do these drugs work, but more of just trying to get you on like technicalities. Absolutely. So, this was uh, the issue with the Texas Medical Board. They wasted a lot of time on tiny technicalities, which were not really my fault. Uh, as you know, I was employing a number of doctors who are practicing medicine on their own, uh, very good oncologists. So if oncologists will make some error in uh, the medical records, uh, <laughs> it was his fault, not my fault, because he was responsible for this particular patient. But uh, Texas board, of course, assumed that all of this is my fault, any tiny glitch it's my fault, okay? And they spent tremendous amount of resources to trying to put me out of business, but finally they lost. Okay. Well, I'm really glad that, you know, that you you stuck around. Like this, this yeah. literally is, you're kind of a leader of part of the bottoms up movement that the working class people have to understand that we have all the power. And if it wasn't for those patients, those working class people uniting, coming together and marching um, on the courthouse steps and, and testifying, in droves at all these hearings kept showing up, picking up their families and driving across the United States to testify, to protect Dr. Brzezinski. Uh, he would not be sitting here talking today. So never forget the power of the working class people, which is you, the people listening, the it, it's, it's, there's way more of us than there ever will be of bureaucrats and this kind of stuff. So if we always stick together and support each other and support people like Dr. Brzezinski, there's no way that we can ever fail. All right. So, now that we've talked about your backstory, and again, please go get the movie, guys. Uh, go uh, go to BrzezinskiMovie.com. Is that the website? It's BrzezinskiMovie.com? Yes, it is. Just to double check. And um, we'll, again, put it in the link down below, and we'll give it at the end. I want to talk to you about what you've done, because now that you've been unburdened for the last seven, eight years, we can actually go to work every day and get a lot of stuff done and not have to worry about fighting court cases 24-7. Um what have you discovered since then? What are the new uh, breakthroughs that you've come to? And how have you, because you've advanced your cancer uh, protocols quite considerably. No doubt about it. Well, uh, basically, 
the theory which I published uh, almost 40 years ago uh, assumed that the cancer is the disease of information processing, which means it's results from the error of programming inside human body. The program for cancer consists of mutated genes. From about 50 mutated genes to about 650, these genes form information processing network, and they tell the body how to make billions of malignant cells. In order to cure cancer, we need to get rid of information network. If we leave it behind, the cancer will come back. That's why advanced cancer is never cured by standard of care treatment, because they don't work on information network, which is behind cancer. They simply try to shrink the tumor, but then the tumor go back because the information how to do it is in the body. What I proposed 40 years ago is to treat <laughs> the genes which are mutated, which form this program for cancer. And if you get rid of the genes which are causing cancer, we can cure the patient. And we proved this many, many times, hundreds of times. So uh, initially, what we have were antineoplastins, which we are using the treatment of cancer. And we are limited by very strict clinical trials supervised by FDA. We couldn't use anything else. But at the same time, we did laboratory research on antineoplastins, and we found that antineoplastins have the activity against over 200 mutated genes, which are very common in any cancer. So this means that by using antineoplastins alone, like we did in clinical trials, we can help a lot of patients, but not everybody, because there are a number of genes which may not be covered with antineoplastins. And at that time, no other medications were available to treat these genes. So this was really very good, very new field. But again, if we are talking about clinical trials, which we did, and we limit this to phase two clinical trials, which are strictly supervised by the FDA. So the fact is that the patients who had terminal diagnosis of cancer, uh, 151 of them were cured from terminal cancer, first time in medical history. And how many? What, uh, how many? How many were total? <laughs> 151 out of the patients who were just in clinical trials. So it doesn't mean in our uh, different practice. And these clinical trials were very strictly supervised by FDA. And I was inspected numerous times, and to make sure that what I do is right. So FDA knew that we can cure cancer. And basically, out of these clinical trials came the results that 151 patients survived for over 10 years to over 35 years, <laughs> and completely cancer-free, without adverse reactions, and living normal life. This never happened before. Uh, regarding the best medications available today, which were used over the last uh, 18 years, the best of them can extend human life only by three months, okay, in advanced cancer. And we are extending human life by over 10 years to over 35 years. And these patients are alive. They are no longer patients, of course. They live normal life. You can talk of them. They don't have any adverse reactions. They live normal life. So this is what I'm talking, cancer cure, but not extended alive by one to three months by 
the newest medicines and then patient dies. No, that's not this. The standard medicine don't even look into survival after five years because practically everybody is died in cancers which are advanced. And we have statistics extending over 35 years. So that's something which is very remarkable. And this is only in clinical trials. What was, however, uh, bad in this thing is that we knew that we are covering only some of the genes which work on cancer, which work, which causing cancer. But if we add additional medication, which are available now, which cover additional genes, we can greatly extend our response rate. For instance, at that time, when uh, we are using only antioplasms, our response rate was something around from less than 15% to 60% in various type of very bad tumors. But now we are at the average of something like 70% in about 50 different diagnoses of cancer. If you can use antineoplasms plus the other medication, which can be prescribed now, which work on the genes, which uh, don't, are not covered by antineoplasms. Our goal is to remove these mutated genes from patient body. And if this is done, the tumors are gone and the patient can be cured. How we can prove it? We can prove it by very good testing procedures which are now approved by the government, which detect the tiniest amount of genes in patient blood. If these tests do not show any cancer gene in patient blood, it's very likely that the patient can be cured for cancer. So we treat the patient, we have gene testing at the beginning, and we repeat this for instance after four months. And in most of our patients, the mutated genes are no longer there, they are gone, okay? So chemotherapy is not able to do it because these genes will come back, okay? But the medications which work on multiple genes can do it. So that's, it's a future of cancer just to, uh, hit the genes which are causing cancer and get rid of cancer this way. Do not treat just the name of cancer. This is what the standard of care is now. Identify the name of the cancer under the microscope, assume that everybody is the same and treat them as standard of care. And with advanced cancer, everybody is dead. They cannot help anybody for the long term, you see. So that's the problem. Well, I think that's a huge takeaway, what you just said. It's like, for the long term, they can't help anybody. And I, I've personally coached 600 people through our process of lifestyle changes, and probably half of them had cancer just because of my friend Charles's story and his how he healed himself naturally by lifestyle changes. Um, the, all these people with cancer kind of gravitated to me. And so I had a lot of experience over the last eight years just coaching people with cancer and, you know, just trying to help them out. And um, the problem that I saw talking to a lot of these people is that they would go for standard care and then it's like oh we got it we got with cancer's out you're healed you're cured and then six months later it comes back and it's you know it's on their spine it's on their lungs you know it's somewhere else and it's going crazy and then you know then it comes back the second time it seems like it's more aggressive harder to deal with and then the the treatments don't work and then they then they die and i've seen this over and over and over and over again um, with, with people that, you know, chose standard care, but you know, that's an option. You're, you have, you have, you're a sovereign individual, hopefully, um, and you can pick and choose whatever you want to do. Unfortunately, I don't believe that anything that's out of fear is a good choice, you know? So it's like, well, we have to do this now cause you're going to die. And it's, uh, I I've been with my clients at 
the doctor's office as many times and listened to the verbiage of stuff that the doctors have said. And a lot of it is, uh, uh, it didn't make me very happy. And my clients were, had me there to, you know, basically be a patient advocate for them. So, um, I mean, I could go deeper into this, but we have to take a quick break. When we get back, I want to go further into these treatments and talk more about the genes and the gene therapies that you've discovered. We'll be right back. The average person today is carrying around 6 to 12 pounds of impacted fecal material and mucoid plaque in the small and large intestine. That's gross, but worse, it's super unhealthy. That is why we created Gut Detox Formula. This ancient 1,000-year-old formula from India gently micro-cleanses the intestines, removing all of that funk and gunk and junk that is destroying your health while leaving your good bacteria behind, which is part of your immune system. And there is no diarrhea like most gut detox products, and it's made with the same chemical-free body promise, no stimulants, 100% nature, and always made in the USA. Get yours today at chemicalfreebody.com. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with my guest, Dr. Stanislaw Brzezinski from the Brzezinski Institute. And um, again, the movie is called Brzezinski the movie and um you can you guys can check that out um just go to the website at brzezinskimovie.com brzezinskimovie.com and i would suggest you purchase it help fund their cause so they can do more research so all right so to recap you came here with nothing i guess you but had a dream because you had you wanted to help people and you were stuck in communist poland you came to america so you could be free do your research what you did you discovered some amazing stuff you you studied at baylor university um, you worked with the National Institutes of Health. I mean, worked your way up, started your own practice, seeing treating patients with advanced stage cancer using your own therapies that you actually synthesized, which are these uh, short chain amino acids that you noticed were not in people that had advanced stage cancer. And the people that were healthy had lots of these in abundance. These short chain amino acids, were, these are AKA anti-neoplastines, same name. Uh, or different name, but same same stuff. Short chain amino acids. So you started synthesizing the short chain amino acids, but uh, but they would only help people in about two hundred because uh, they were they were helping fix these mutated genes. But the anti neoplastins only helped about two hundred of them, and you found out later that there's over six hundred mutated genes, and that's why it wasn't working. So you were getting maybe a fifteen to sixty percent success rate with various cancers with the people that came in and seen you. But now that you've had time to do the research after all the crap you had to go through with the, the, the legal battles of them trying to shut you down, now with the research and development you've been doing, you've been able to use other gene-targeted therapy drugs mixed in with your anti-neoplastins to get more coverage towards those 600 mutated genes. And now you're getting over a 70% success rate, and that success rate is growing as you're able to do more research and do combination gene therapy with anti-neoplastines and the existing pharmaceutical drugs that are out there. Is that a good summation? It's a good summation. The only thing is that this over 70% is in terminal cancer patients because that's what we treat. This means patients who pretty much tried everything in the world and they have less than six months estimated survival. And what happened now, since we treated over 50 different diagnoses of cancer, we found that one of the best sellers is breast cancer, advanced breast cancer. We are, taking, we are having some of the highest response rate in breast cancer, <laughs> something like over 90% in regular breast cancer, but 
something like 66% in triple negative, which is very, very bad breast cancer. So we have quite a few new things. In the past, we concentrated on brain tumors, but now we see that in the other cancers, which are very common, like, for instance, breast cancer, we are getting much, much better results because these cancers are not as difficult to treat as brain tumors. That's pretty awesome. I just love it. You guys are continuing your research. And I'd say this, like one of the reasons I wanted to have you on too, is my grandmother died of a brain tumor, right? She had, I think it was like full blown neoblastoma brain cancer. And, um, you know, I was, I was adopted, so I didn't get to grow up with her. And I met her later in life. Like I did my mom and my brother and my sister, and I have this whole new family. And I really didn't get to spend a whole a lot of time with my grandma because she ended up passing away and it was horrible what she had to go through. And I'm just thinking, wow, wouldn't it have been great if she would have known about this? And it's frustrating because you were actually on the scene doing your work, but it's like you don't have a full PR firm like all the news channels, like all the media that everybody else has. So it's like the only time you're going to hear about this stuff is like shows like this or if somebody stumbles across the movie or if somebody wrote about you and had a link back to it so you can start doing your homework. It's literally grassroots marketing to be able to find you uh, which is unfortunate because it should be 24-7 an option that everybody should know about in every hospital across America. And I actually have a 20-year veteran nurse that uh, sat down with me this morning and was watching your movie uh, with me as I did a, re a recap on it. And she was just like, you know, in tears hearing the stories and stuff like that, but astonished. She's like, yeah, I've, after 20 years, I've, I've never even heard about this. And she's in, the, she's in the system. She's in the medical community. It's crazy. Well, this is very sad. For instance, if you talk about glioblastoma, I look into a newspaper this morning. They found they found a large photo of our president attending the tomb of his son who died from glioblastoma. We have the longest survivor in glioblastoma over 28 years without humor and without prior radiation and prior chemotherapy. It happened then this gentleman who was it with us such a long time ago, was a young attorney who's got rid of his uh, tumor completely. This is the worst tumor which you can get. So he went to, he went back to his legal practice, but ever he tried to advertise that he was ever treated for brain tumors because people may not like to come to the attorney who had previous brain tumors. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but he is in perfect shape. We recently published the article about him with his picture, and uh, obviously we have many other patients who did the same. So it shows that the people who are very important <laughs> Glioblastoma is killing everybody, and we can yeah. save at least good per percentage of these people because we are working on the genes which are causing the disease. We are working on the cause of cancer, not really the name, but the cause of cancer. It's amazing that such a simple idea cannot be accepted by doctors right away. It was introduced. 2300 years ago by Aristoteles in ancient Greece, because he was also treating patients. He was also a physician among being philosopher. And this idea still cannot be accepted by the people today. It's just crazy. It's, I think it will be accepted maybe in another five or 10 years, but not now. Well, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. That'd be great. It, it's, it's really hard when people, you're really talking about changing people's belief systems. Right. 
when you go back to like Richard Nixon and saying, we're, you know, we're going to put all this money towards, we're going to cure cancer and we're going to get after it. And it seems like the more money they've thrown at it, the more, the higher the cancer rates are going. So why would we keep putting money into a system that shows us that's demonstrated decade after decade, after decade, after decade, that the more money we give it, the worse the results become. Yeah, I, so, so what I see for you, what I see for you and what you guys are doing, um, you know, and we're, we've, we've talked a lot about late stage, right? Cause you're talking about like the terminal stuff. You're most of your patients. Are you working with anybody that has like more, like, like my friend who had, you know, chronic lymphocytic leukemia, which is a blood cancer. Are you working with people like that or people that are not so late stage? Are you working with everybody? Well, uh, we treated uh, chronic lymphocytic leukemia also in advanced stages, this involvement of the internal organs, among other things. And we are able to cure some of these patients. It's not a very common malignancy we see here, but uh, we can help these patients too. But most of our patients are terminal. From time to time, we have early cases and okay. uh, they uh, have been treated in a much easier way. But we prefer to refer them to the other doctors because they can help them through conventional treatment. Okay, so this brings up another question, which is for somebody to receive your treatment, do they have to get chemo and radiation, the standard treatment first, before they're able to, by law, come and see you? Or can they just say, I pick Brzezinski's route first. I don't want to go through chemo and radiation. What's going on with that? No, it depends if this case is terminal or not. Somebody may not receive any of the standard treatment, but he may have one month estimated survival and he qualifies for our treatment, definitely. So it depends how advanced is the cancer. So who determined what the qualifications are for somebody to come and see you? Well, uh, we have a team of oncologists and also most of these patients were treated by very good oncologists before, and many of them were sent to hospice because there's nothing can be done for them. So really, we treat a lot of hospice cases, and certainly they don't have long-term survival. Is there is 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 there government laws? Is there any laws out there that saying that that you can't treat your you can't treat people until they've received conventional treatment? No, but uh, in Texas there is a law regarding this form of treatment, uh, whether the patient is terminal or not. Texas law uh, prevents me from treating with intravenous antineoplasm on the patients who are not terminal. So they must be terminal in order to be treated. This must way. be terminal. Okay. Yeah. In Texas, yes. In some other states, it may be different. Oh, it's different. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. So, yeah, and th this is the reason for the listeners out there that I want to have uh, Dr. Brzezinski on because, you know, every day I'm talking to people and, you know, I just got a, I just had a friend uh, uh, from call me up and said his dad, who I know uh, has six months to live. Right. And I'm going to make sure that he watches him and his dad watch and listen to this episode and go watch your movie. And right. This could be a viable option for them. Now, you were talking about genes earlier and the mutations and stuff like that. And I've worked uh, a lot of my work that that I've done is I, I kind of look at things like from a common sense standpoint, like a lot of the gene <clears throat> research is they'll take like a, a Petri dish and they'll put a known carcinogen into it, into a healthy human cell, as an example, right? That gene, yes. then the cell mutates and they're trying to study it to figure out how they can block that mutation from happening, which is kind of what you're doing. Right? Well, yes. Uh, well, uh, it happens then majority of cancer patients 
uh, have genes which mutated during their lives. They don't inherit mutated genes from parents. It's only about one to two percent of patients may inherit mutated genes from parents. And because these genes are in, uh, not inherited, uh, they are mutated in patient life, they can be removed from patient body because they exist only inside cancer cells, but not in the other cells of the body. And that's what we do. If we yeah. remove these genes from patient body, the patient can be cured. And my, my whole my whole shtick has been, and using my approach, which is common sense, is that if it's if the environment that creates the cancer, it's if it's the environment that creates the cancer that gets those genes to express themselves differently, to mutate, why not not put the healthy cell into a, a cancerous causing environment in the first place which i'm talking about here is pollution we have we have three things going against the standard the working class people today the people walking around here number one tremendous amounts of stress there's a tremendous amount of stress on people today which is uh, putting you in a fight or flight stage lowering your immune system number two the pollution the talk the level of toxins from the you know if you look at the umbilical cord studies uh, that I've seen going back to 2005, every child being born today has over 180 cancer-causing chemicals in the womb. Um, and then you've got the deficiency in nutrients where 85% of the nutrients have been farmed out of our soil. So over here, what we teach is we teach the lifestyle approach. Change the environment that the body, your system, this vehicle that you're living in, uh, it comes into. Making sure that you have clean air to breathe. You know, we breathe 400 gallons of air an hour. Making sure you have clean, fresh water. Making sure you have clean fresh food, making sure you're getting good sleep. These are some of the basic things, moving your body, moving the lymphatic, moving the lymphatic system. And, but here's the deal. Some of you are too far advanced before you find this stuff. Cause you go through trial of stuff, you do conventional treatment and I'm sorry, there's nothing more we can do for you. And then maybe you find an organization like us where we're teaching you how to eat sprouts and clean up your diet and detox and do all that stuff. And that will help support you and pull you back away from the cliff. But sometimes you're starting to fall off the cliff and in these terminal cases. And this is where what Dr. Brzezinski has been doing could be a stopgap for you. And that's why I wanted to bring this to everybody's attention is because we have a lot of people following us and sharing this podcast. And I want to make sure that they know that there's different tools out there that are available for you. And there's definitely a massive tool down in Texas with Dr. Stanislaw Brzezinski and what he's been doing for the last 40 plus years. He has a fantastic tool that has high success rates. And the beautiful thing that I love about it, it's non-toxic. Even though it's synthesized, which I'm not really big into chemicals, in this situation, they're synthesizing these small chain amino acids and now using other drug therapies that actually work in combination and getting 70 plus percent success rates and even higher in some breast cancers. So, doctor, was there anything that you would, I know you're really focused on, like, you know, getting rid of the mutated genes so that the cancers don't come back. Um, do you guys have any uh, lifestyle approaches that you teach with people too? Absolutely. About Absolutely. What you said is very important. But also, uh, we can uh, use testing procedures which can detect cancer in early stages, like certain laboratory tests that are available now. Uh, for healthy people, which can tell if there is beginning of cancer. Uh, even before any sign of cancer is shown, and such cases could be much easier to treat, then certainly prevention can be used with certain 
uh, nutrients, of course, and certain uh, derivatives uh, which are similar to antineoplastins. Uh, we did some studies on prevention of liver cancer. Liver cancer is going to be the most common cancer in the world in the next five to 10 years. And uh, when we fed animals with the food with certain ingredients, we are able to protect them from having liver cancer when exposed to chemical which is causing liver cancer. So prevention will be very important uh, things to consider in the future. We did not have a chance to expand it because obviously this would require a lot of resources to do it, but that's something for the future. Awesome. So basically, there's a big takeaway there. Like he just said that in their studies, uh, it's the chemicals that are causing liver cancer. And, you know, it's the, the, the liver being a major filter of the body. It's just it's just I think it's just overburdened. That's what's happening. There's just it's processed food and chemicals. It's a very complex because chemicals are causing certain types of liver cancer and then viruses are causing some other types of liver cancer. So uh, it's a complex issue. There are various types of liver cancer, and that's how it happened. Absolutely. So listeners, the best thing you guys can do out there is, you know, love yourself, boost your immune system, uh, do everything you can to create an, a great environment so your genes will express themselves correctly. And if for some reason uh, you didn't do that and you end up in a terminal state, um, hopefully that's a big enough wake-up call to get your life in order. But while you're doing that, it might be a good idea to get in touch with uh, Brzezinski's clinic down there uh, if you need a stopgap to get your life back. So, uh, doctor, was there anything else that you'd want to share? Any uh, words of wisdom for the listeners today? Well, I would like to thank you very much for uh, inviting me because this can always save some patient's life. And I would like to express my thanks to American people because without them, I would not be here. <laughs> So that's the beauty of America, that the people can do a lot of things if they want. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, doctor. And I want to thank the listeners around the world for tuning in. Uh, you know, this is the reason why I, I hustle and I try to find really good people like Dr. Brzezinski to bring uh, practical solutions to your life. Um, I think this is a very important episode uh, because we're literally talking about life and death. And this this episode could be the difference between having a loved one around um, for a short time or a long time. Uh, it's kind of up to you guys to share this episode, and I hope you do. Hope you get something out of it. As always, change yourself, change your world, and I'll see you guys again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening again to The Health Hero Show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon. You have just listened to The Health Hero Show with Tim James. <laughs>